0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Well, I have some news for you this morning, news I have been sitting on for about two weeks now that I've had to keep a secret. And uh, I'm not good at keeping secrets. Just ask my wife. I am terrible at it. But next week... We will not have myself speaking, we will not have a guest speaker speaking, we will have the one and only Chris Vincent back for good. You guys can clap for that. Our Fearless leader is back, and I just have to tell you, I met with him about two weeks ago for lunch, uh, and I hadn't seen him about a month, month and a half. If you are newer to the church, our senior pastor, Chris, he's amazing, he's awesome. Uh, He's on a medical leave right now, but he is coming back, and when I had lunch with him two weeks ago, uh, he just told me how excited he was to be back, how excited he was to see all of you, some of the new faces, some of the regular faces. I made a point to say regular, not old, because old can be miscommunicated. Alright, I learned that the hard way this morning. Nobody is in years old. Just to cover our bases. But he's excited. He is ready to be back. And uh, I'm just going to ask two things of you before he gets back. The first one is, if you are a praying person, would you please pray for him? Because, not because he's doing bad, he's doing phenomenal, he's doing great. But he said to me, he goes, I have so much I want to share. And God's doing so much in my heart, both for myself and the church. I don't even know how I can possibly share it all. And so, he's excited for what God's doing. He's excited for what God's doing in his heart. And so, you just pray this week that when he comes back this next week, that yeah he's he knows what to share and what to do. Um, and I just know he's really excited to do that. And the second thing is uh, to be here. Whether you are here online with us, whether you're here in person, it's going to be a powerful Sunday, next Sunday, with him back. And I know we've had some new guests who have shown up in his absence, and I know he would love to get to know you. Uh, Chris loves people. He loves meeting new people. He loves uh, seeing all those his regulars. And so just get here, because I do believe that next Sunday is going to be absolutely Amazing! So, it's crazy how much in a week can change, right? I remember standing up here last Sunday, and uh, there was like what felt like seven feet of snow outside. It was blizzarding. I barely made it to church, and then now I'm standing up here, and it's like sixty degrees outside. All the dog poop in my yard is becoming visible because all the snow is melting. Anybody else in that boat? <sighs> You know what I'm saying? they something else. We love them. We hate them. We love to hate them. It's all good. But I'm excited because I have to tell you as a Minnesotan born and raised, um, I hate, like not just dislike, not just like really dislike. I mean, I hate being cold with a burning passion. And so I'm really glad I chose Minnesota to put down my roots and, and live here, which is a really smart choice of mine. And uh, I hate it. So this week have 50 degrees to see the snow melting in my yard, I am excited because that means that spring is here or coming, which means that summer is coming, and I love summer. I absolutely love summer. I am a lake rat. Anyone else a lake rat? You just love to live in the lake. A few of us, everyone else. Don't know what's wrong with you, but we love you anyway. I love the lake. It is something I love, I think about, I just love to be in the lake. Uh, and especially in the like, I love to go swimming, I love to go to the sandbar, but I really love the water sports. I love the wakeboarding, the wake surfing, the kneeboarding, the slalom skiing. I'll even occasionally jump on a tube, despite what happened to me as a junior in college. Alright, as a junior in college, we got some of the boys together, and my friend Jake's got a cabin up in Bacchus, which is in northern Minnesota. His parents have a nice cabin, nice little lake that's pretty cool quiet and so we got a bunch of the boys and went up there for a weekend of festivities of, of frozen pizzas and, and eggs and that's right because we can't cook anything else and then you got the lake and you got the, the home run derbies just a bunch of dude stuff and so my friend Jake has a jet ski on his cabin and so Jake and I as the two guys who kind of grew up on the lake decided that we were going to have a challenge that nobody at the cabin could throw us off of a two ball weekend Mistake number one Do not make a challenge like that Because then you have people Who will take you up on that challenge And so it was the second day of our weekend And we were there And we pulled up the tube to the jet ski And we started saying Alright, challenge number two Who can throw us off And so one of our friends volunteered Now what I learned after the fact And so don't judge me for what I'm about to say Alright Can everyone agree that you're not going to judge me what I'm about to say Okay I learned after the fact, not during the fact, that the person who volunteered to throw us off had never driven a jet ski before in his life, let alone pulled somebody on a tube behind a jet ski. Mistake number two, okay? Mistake number three is the most painful one. He pulls us around. It starts off as a pretty normal tube ride, like just pretty chill. Like we're just kind of goofing around like, oh, we're going to fall off. You know, tubing is pretty much all you can do is just pretend to fall off. We're driving around. to pretty normal. And then he decides he's, he's serious about throwing us off. So he starts going really fast in a straight line, which is fine, to the point of fast, like where I stuck my hand out in the water, and my fingers start started skipping across. I couldn't even get them in the water. And so then... He decided that that's not working, so I'm going to slow down. So he slows down. Everything comes to a stop. We're facing this way. He turns the jet ski and goes this way. If you've ridden a tube, you know it's never good when you see the rope going this way and you're facing this way and you know as soon as this rope gets tight, I'm going to lose my neck because that's what happened. The the rope tightened up. We whipped around, got whiplash. and, And this wasn't our clue to let go. Now, I don't know what was, but mistake number three, we stayed on. And this was the fatal one because that didn't work so now he was really desperate and so he took off across the lake at full bore i mean i'm talking like i fear for my life sitting on this tube we were going so fast and so he slowed down i'm like okay we made it And then he does a 90 degree turn. And as he turns the 90 degrees, I hear the, (laughs) of the jet ski, and he just pins it to the bars and hits it as hard as he can. Now those who have been on a tube, you know that when you turn, the tube goes out this way, and you hit the gas, it's like even more power. And so he whips us out of the wake and both Jake and my, Jake and I, and my friend, are pulling on the tube so far this way, we're almost riding a wheelie trying to make sure we don't flip it, but he's going so fast we can't pull the tube up anymore. It catches the water, and this is where the pain started. I counted four times before I actually splashed into the water. We were going so fast I came off the tube and rolled onto my back. It was cement, so I bounced onto my stomach, my shoulder hit number three, and then I went back forward and then I splashed down. The level of pain I felt in that moment was indescribable, and here was the most insulting part. We asked our friend how fast he was going. He goes, well, it was 50 when I hit the turn. And I thought, like, I didn't want to get the rope stuck, so I just pinned it even faster when we got to the edge of the turn. And that's when I realized I need better friends. I was in so much pain... When you can count how many times you hit the water before you actually get wet, that's a problem. You're going too fast, all right? And outside of knowing I have better friends, I remember that story because I remember what it felt like to be that out of control. What it felt like to be going so fast knowing this is going to hurt really bad. And I remember thinking that, and I, I, I thought about my life now because I feel like there are times in our life when life just hits that hard. Where you see stuff coming ahead of time and all of a sudden life hits, and what was right side up is now upside down. You're, you're twisted, you're disoriented, you're all jacked up. And when you actually hit the water and life really hits and the dust settles, you're sitting there battered and bruised and going, ouch, I'm in pain. And sometimes we can see it coming, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's just like life hits us and it's like, holy cow, this is intense, this is scary, this is life shattering. And sometimes, like me, you go, this is bad news. This is going to hurt really bad. And whether you're in the place of life just hits you or it's coming, I think we're all in that place sometimes of where we even feel like God's calling us to that. We feel like God's saying, you know what, I want you to do this. I want you to go and be this. I want you to do this thing. And like the tube, you're going, this is scary. I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm just let go of the tube. And we let go or we give up or we run the other way. Just like Jonah in the Bible. In the Bible, there's a man named Jonah, and in Jonah chapter 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. That's nice. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now I want you to see a picture on a map as to what this really looks like. okay? Because this is where he needs to go went this way okay he's supposed he's he's somewhere over here he has to go just a little bit over there and he runs this way he's running as far in the opposite direction as he possibly can why because the city of Nineveh is the capital of the nation of Assyria and Assyria is literally known for being these people who are so cruel, so brutal that they would mutilate villages they went into families would see the, these Assyrians coming and they would run for the hills because they knew if they were caught they would be absolutely destroyed. So these aren't quite nice people. When God says "Like I'm going to destroy you it's for good reason. Alright? right, They're, They are wicked and awful people. And so as an Israelite Jonah is a prophet, which means he hears from God and says what God says. It's like a modern-day pastor, all right? Jonah has been, for his entire life, listening to what God says, sharing it, and sharing the message God has. But this one, he decides, I'm not just going to not share it, I'm going to run as far away from God as possible, because, as an Israelite, was hated by the Assyrians, I can see Jonah having two fears. Number one, imagine you're an Israelite. You walk into the capital of one of the nastiest nations and say, hey everybody, you're going to die. God's going to destroy you. It's like that kid in high school who just kind of gets taped to the flagpole. That's what's going to happen to Jonah. all right. But it's not going to be taped to the flagpole, it's going to be mutilation. So he's scared of losing his life, but I think the bigger fear we see in the story, the reason Jonah doesn't want to go and do what God says is because he knows God. He's a man who's known God his entire life. He knows that God is a God of compassion God is a God of forgiveness and mercy and he knows that if they turn back to God and say God we're sorry he's going to spare them. he's not going to destroy them and Jonah as a man who his entire life has been looking over his shoulder waiting for the Assyrians to come attack, he's kind of hoping you die, right? Like he's kind of hoping I'm like ha suckers, God's going to get you now so of course he doesn't want to say God is going to destroy you because he knows God will forgive him if they do so Jonah jumps in a ship and runs as far away as possible, trying to get away from the call that God has for him. And so he gets in the boat, he buys a ticket, and he goes, okay, whew, we made it. A day later, Jonah is sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and all of a sudden he's violently awoken by the captain of the ship. Who says, what are you doing sleeping? Don't you realize we're going to die? There is a storm outside that is absolutely destructive. We are all going to die. I have the entire crew praying to their gods, which were not the one true God. They're praying to the gods saying, please spare us. Please save us. We're going down. So you might as well start praying with us. And Jonah, literally in the Bible, says, you know what? Uh, It's kind of my fault. You know, it's, it's my bad. Okay, this this, this this is a storm from God. I've been running from God and like God's trying to get my attention. So, you know what? Just just throw me over, you know? Just throw me over. And so the, they do. The crew grabs him and says, well, see you later. Throws him over the edge. And the storm completely subsides immediately. And so there, Jonah is floating in the water like, well oh, that was weird. The Bible literally says, then he's... Eaten by a large fish. What a great story we tell our kids in Bible school. You know what I'm saying? Like when you put Jonah on the nursery of your little, little room, and it's a nice little fish. Like we're not talking. I mean, just hmm, come here, Jonah. Got like whales eating this guy. He's in the mouth and the belly of a whale. And what's crazy to think is like this is not just a fable. This is not just like a fictional story. This is historical fact. And so we have this man who is literally in the gut of a whale, surrounded by slime and seaweed and krill and just nastiness. So instead of running for God, now he's running away from God. He's in a huge storm, and now he's in a fish. For three days and three nights, he is in the belly of this fish. And in Jonah chapter 2, it says this. Jonah is saying this. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you and your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Jonah quit resisting God's assignment. He quit resisting what God was asking him to do. And as soon as he prayed to God and said, God, I will go. God, I will do this. The Bible says that the whale, the fish, whatever you want to call it, spits Jonah out and he lands on the island of Nineveh. And now my notes are... Completely gone, so that's nice. Gotta love technology, you know what I'm saying? Alright, well, here we go. I have it memorized, so it's all good. <laughs> he literally spits him out. And in that moment, we have Jonah, who is having this honest conversation with God, is saying, you know what? I have messed up. And he spits him out. And he lands on the island of Nineveh. And on Nineveh he gets there and says, you know what? You are all going to die. I am pronouncing God's judgment on you. I am announcing that in 40 days, this entire city will burn of destruction if you don't turn back to God. And in that moment, it said, the Bible goes on to say that the king himself issues a decree that everybody in this entire city, 120,000 deep, says, I need everybody to get on the ground and start praying to God, start praying for forgiveness, start praying that they will forgive us and have mercy on us. I need everybody to start praying and asking for forgiveness for what we've done. A nation that has been bent on mutilating people starts turning back to God. And so for 40 days, they pray and they pray and they pray and they genuinely seek forgiveness. And all of a sudden, God goes on to say, I have pardoned my nation. I have forgiven them. And my, my, my question for you today is what is it that God is asking you to do? What is it that God's asked you to do that you're terrified of? Because Jonah, a man that had just run from God as far as he could, who had neglected the assignment that God had from all of a sudden, now saw 120,000 people, an entire nation, turn towards God. And what an amazing miracle for him to turn back towards God. How scary it must have been for Jonah to do that, to walk into a place that was uncomfortable. How scary it must have been for him to do that, but how cool when it finally all came into fruition. What are we missing out on in our life by saying no to God? What are we missing out on by not trusting the tough and big things that God's trying to work out in our life? What is it that we're missing that we have not seen come into fruition in our life because we've been too scared to jump in. We've been too scared to grab the rope. As I told you before, I love the water. I love the lake. And my favorite thing that I have found in my life at the lake is water skiing. Water skiing came pretty naturally to me when I was 13. I was at my friend's cabin. And they took us out tubing because that's all I knew how to do. And then they pulled out the skis. And they said, all right, I want, we're going to go skiing. And they said, have you ever done it before? And I said, no, I've never been skiing. And so they strapped on a life jacket on me. They said, here's what you've got to do. It's like sitting in a chair. You grab the rope. As soon as, the, as, soon as I start going, just lean back. and let the skis pull you up. And I was like, all right, sounds easy enough. Just like sitting in a chair. I'm good at sitting. Life is good. Sure enough, I weighed like 40 pounds soaking wet, skis pulled me right up, life was good, and off we went skiing, came pretty naturally to me. My dad was an avid slalom skier growing up, and so when I told him I went skiing, he was pumped, he was like, alright, sweet, let's keep on going this summer. So we went all summer, I went skiing, I got really hot doggish, and really fancy, a couple about a month and a half later when I kicked off one ski, and all of a sudden I was starting to slalom skier around the lake got pretty good at that by the end of the summer and so I was like alright sweet like I found a new hobby so it got winter and then there was the eight deaths of perpetual death of winter and in the, in the meantime my dad took me to my birthday in March and he bought me my first ever slalom ski which I was like super pumped about I was like sweet like, we're, getting, we're getting fancy now this is going to be a great summer and so when it finally thawed and life was good he pulled me out to the lake and I said you know what dad like I'll start with two. I kind of want to start the summer like on a good note, but like this summer I'm going to get up on one. Like We're going to leave the second ski at home. I'm sick of going to pick it up. I just want to get up on one ski and truly a slalom ski. And he was like, all right, perfect. So the first time that we got to the lake and I was ready to jump on the slalom ski, I dipped, my, dipped the boot in the water, got it all, jumped in. I was like, all right, Dick, here's what I need you to do. He goes, you grab the rope, just lean back, and, and, and just let it happen. Thanks, Dad. That's super helpful. Okay? So... Rope tightens up. I grab it. I'm like, "This is gonna be awesome. I can't wait for this to happen." And rope tightens up, and my dad hammers it, and whoosh, face plant right in the water. Didn't even didn't even get close. I was like, "All right, second time is the second time's a charm." Here we go. Dad circles around. I grab the rope again. All right, dad, let's go. Boom, face plant. That was one of the ones where it was like all of a sudden like you got like water up in your brain because you got faceplanted so hard. <laughs> And you know, it just smells like your nose is on fire. Like, all right, Dad, let's go again. You know, he circles around. Number three comes and face plant, face plant, face plant, face plant. I finally got the hint. I was like, okay, I'm not very good at this yet. So grabbed the second ski, got right up, run like we went. Try it again the next time we went out. All right, Dad, let's do this again. I got this this time. This time I got the ski about that far out of the water. Faceplant, faceplant, faceplant. And for the next month of my life, it turned into this perpetual frustration of trying to learn the art of slalom skiing because I could not get it close. And I got to be honest with you, I started to actually not even want to go skiing. I get so frustrated. I would go, you know what, I don't even want to get in the water because I know that I'm just going to try and I'm going to fail. And when I fail, I'm going to get frustrated. And then I'm just not going to do it at all. Sure enough, that's what happened. I will never forget. My dad's watching online, so he'll appreciate this story. After a while, I just get so fed up. Like I started, to, like just hate the lake. Like the lake was to blame for my lack of skiing. You know. So I, there, there, was one time. I, my dad after there like the seventh time failed. He goes for just a long run. Like just, just, just starts ripping down the lake. And I'm like, oh, cool. My dad's leaving me in the lake. He's fed up with me not skiing too. I literally remember just taking my arm I'm floating in the middle of the lake and I just start smacking the water as hard as I can I'm so frustrated so mad why can this not work for me so then my dad comes ripping back I'm not sure what he was doing I think he was breathing himself he, goes, he pulls around circles around gets the rope right in front of me and shuts off the engine he goes Derek here's what I want you to do he goes, "When I turn the bolt back on, I want you to grab the rope. I want you to take your right elbow, your dominant hand. I want you to tuck it right into your ribs. Do not move it for anything. Keep it glued right here." He goes, "When, I, when you yell, hit it, I want you to lean back, keep, do not move that elbow. Do not move the elbow. He kind of got the message through. Do not move the elbow, okay? Don't move it. Pretend it's glued here. Okay, Dad, I got it. Don't move it. Okay, Dad. Glued it right here. He said, let the boat do the work. Lean back, keep your ski up, keep the elbow there, and let the boat do the work. All right, Dad. Boat starts up. I see the rope on coil starts to get tight. Elbows glued. Hit it. Dad floors the boat. And with that, I just lean back, keep the elbow there, and I see my ski start to go up, 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 up. Boom. Top of the water and we're skiing. I see my dad doing this in the front. <laughs> I'm doing that in the back like, yeah, and then I crashed. You know what I mean? But it didn't matter because we got up and it changed Everything. Just having the confidence to know I could do this now changed everything. Dad pulled back around, I grabbed the rope, off we went, and now I've got pictures up here, up here maybe, of, there we go, we're skiing. And it was my favorite thing that I do on the lake by far. It is the absolute favorite thing I like to do. It's all I can think about when we get to the lake. I just want to go skiing because it is such a blast. And the title of my message today is called Hit It!, Because in that moment hit it became my favorite word it used to be what I hated to say it used to be what I hated to do because I knew hit it was the next thing I had until I was about to be frustrated to me hit it was the thing between me and failure hit it was the thing between me and not being able to do the very thing I wanted to do And I thought about that how that pertains to life because there are so many things that we are meant to do. So many things that if we just stepped out of our comfort zone, if we just stepped out of what was unnatural, if we just stepped through the process and the trial of having to go through the learning curve, of having to go through those moments of of discomfort, what are we missing on the other side? Because there's a whole lot that we're missing. There's a whole lot that's on the other side. If we would just go through the process. If we would just trust the process of grabbing the rope and keep going. What is it in your life that God has been circling you with, with the rope? Saying, will you grab the rope? Will you grab the rope and trust me enough to take you through it? What is it in your life? Is it that forgiveness that you have just felt in your heart of hearts that it's time to forgive somebody? That person from years ago, that person from last week, I don't know who it is, but that person that you just cannot bring yourself to forgive. You come to church and you hear God is all about forgiveness and you hear about how we need to forgive people, but that's hard, right? Because this person screwed up your life. This person left their indelible mark on your life and how could you possibly forgive them? But the thing about forgiveness is that unforgiveness doesn't hurt them, it hurts us. Because now we bear that guilt as if it was our fault. I'm not saying forget. That's a different thing. You can forgive without forgetting. I think for some of us, grabbing the rope means forgiving that person. For some of us, it means stepping out in faith. Maybe it's that person at your work. Maybe it's that person in your community. Maybe it's that thing that you have felt in your heart of hearts. Even as I say it right now, your heart starts to race because you know what stepping out 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 in faith means for you. What is it that God's been maybe stirring your heart or, or maybe you just feel like maybe I need to do this. Just that pit in your stomach that I need to do this. What is it for you? stepping out in faith sharing your testimony sharing your story with that co-worker of yours sharing your life story sharing what God's done in your life with that person that you're terrified to do it maybe it's an action step maybe your your marriage has been on the rocks and maybe all of a sudden now you just your your wife or your husband whatever it is maybe you've been wanting to go to marriage counseling you've just been resisting it because like i just we don't need it or xyz comes up or i'm too busy or i'm just not gonna pay for that but you know in your heart of hearts that you're meant to do that and you've been resisting it Maybe it's for your own personal self. Maybe you've been like, you know what? something's not right with me. I really probably should go see a professional, but I don't want to because maybe that's not what God wants from me. Maybe that's maybe I just I, I don't want to do that. It, it makes me nervous. Maybe it's just saying yes to Jesus in general. Maybe it's just saying, you know what? I have I have been struggling. I have been trying to figure my life out and nothing is fitting together. It's all going to just it's it's nothing is working. And I know God's been calling me to maybe step out. Maybe He's been calling me to just let Him into my life. But like Jonah, you just are running the other direction. You come to church and we talk about how Jesus is close to us and Jesus is personal to us. But you don't want that because God took this away from you. God did this in your life and you don't like it. And so we run the other direction. Because we try and want to escape from that. But what I've learned about God, what I've learned about God in my life, is just like the boat, he'll pull you through one way or another. The question is, do you want to get pulled through with your nose in the water, get dragged underneath the water? Or do you want to jump on a ski and experience the joy and the thrill of what it's like to live for Jesus? Sometimes we feel like God is like this this angry and mean person who wants to destroy people. But like we see in our story today, I think God is a God of compassion and mercy. Some of the nastiest people on the planet are forgiven and spared because they brought Jesus into their life. If they would let him. So my message today is called Hit It because I think there are people in here who need to grab the rope. That thing in the pit of your stomach that you have been resisting, that you have been just afraid of, scared to death, the very thing that you're scared of and that you're resisting could be the very thing that gives you more purpose and fulfillment in your life. The very thing that you're scared of and feels uncomfortable could be the very thing that gives your life more purpose and more joy than you could have imagined elsewhere. I'm not doubting the process, I just think that the result's bigger than the process. If I had not endured the process of learning how to slalom ski, I would have missed out on one of the favorite things I love to do in the summer. This is a sport, not life. What is it in our life that we're missing out on by running from God? What is it in our life that we're missing out on by not stepping into the promises, the plans, and the ideas that God has for us? What is it? So many times we we just don't get there because we don't think that it's possible. But we serve a God who is trustworthy. We serve a God who is able to absolutely take us through, take us to that thing. But so many times, I think what deters us, what stops us, what either has us let go of the rope entirely or not want to pick it up is because the problems are so big. Who's ever been in that spot where all of a sudden the pain, the problems, the frustrations, life itself is so big, so large, so encompassing, that we feel so small, so tiny, so helpless, that we possibly can't see it? That all we can see is this massive mountain of life. This massive obstacle that we can't possibly get over. We think that we're just stuck right here because we will never get past this. I think we've all been there. And the problem is we just stay here. We don't think that we can get around it. We don't think we can get over it because we feel so small. We don't understand or think how something could be big enough to get over this massive problem in our life. We underestimate how big God is. We underestimate what He can really do and accomplish in our life. I'm going to read this on the screen because my iPad is no better than a paperweight right now. But before I read this, if you are in this spot of life and you are trying to figure out how you're going to get over it, and maybe you've tried to fill that void. You've tried to numb the pain. You've tried to just make it through and it doesn't work. I think we've all been there. Also, I think everyone's car is going off at the same time right now. <laughs> if you all want to stand up and click our buttons right now, I'll just, I'll turn my back and pretend this never happened. (laughs) This will give me time to turn on my iPad even. Maybe there's like just a solar wave or something in the air. Gotta love vehicles and technology, you know what I'm saying? Gotta love them. Hey, my iPad's working! (laughs) Alright, are we ready guys? Now that we've we just got here's the thing, Chris is gonna look back, he's like, How did church go? We're just gonna say it was perfect, smooth, silky normal. Here that's just all jokes aside, what you see is what you get here at the bridge. And we want everything to go perfectly and smooth, but at the end of the day we just want to love Jesus. And we just want to be with you through life. So will you do this with me? I got my iPad back up. God is big enough for even your largest needs. There are needs that you have in your life. We all have them. These needs that feel all-consuming, impossible. But today, I just want you to be encouraged by what it says here in Isaiah chapter forty. I read this about three weeks ago, and I have tr- when I too felt like you know what. My son was throwing a temper tantrum. My daughter was breaking glass with her cry. My dog was outside chewing off the tree branches of my tree. And I just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I remember going, how the heck am I going to make through this season in my life? And that night I read this scripture. So if you're in a place right now where you don't feel like you can make it through, you don't feel like your problems can even be accomplished, Whatever you got to do, close your eyes, whatever you got to do, I want you just to take what I'm about to read to heart. Isaiah chapter 40. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord who knows enough to even give advice or teach Him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all of Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of God. Look up into the heavens. Who created all of the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The God that is in our back pocket, the God that is in our heart, is the God that can pick up the whole earth like it's a grain of sand. I never, ever, ever, ever regret getting outside at night and looking up into the sky and seeing the stars. Knowing each and every one of them, seen and unseen, was put there by God. The Bible says in the first chapter that God breathed all this into existence with a breath. The galaxies, the earth, everything we see in one breath by God was brought into existence. And when you understand the gravity of how big that is and you understand about how powerful that is all of a sudden now the very things even the things that are nearest and dearest to our heart that are very difficult all of a sudden now are no longer unmatched they're no longer the victor because God is able to do infinitely more than we even ask or imagine this morning I am challenging us as a church to grab the rope to tuck your elbow glue it to your side and let God pull you through the season that you're going through it might not be easy it might not be painless but I promise you on the other side it'll be worth it there are things we need to let go things we need to hold on to things we need to restore but not us God our responsibility is not to fix the world, not to fix ourselves, not to fix what's going on in our life. Our responsibility is to purely grab the rope. To purely say, you know what, Jesus, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is all going to work itself out. But you know what, God? What I can control right now is I'm going to spend five minutes with you. I'm going to sing a worship song. I'm going to pray. I'm going to open up my Bible. I am going to spend time with you, trusting that all the other pieces of my life, you will work out. My only responsibility is to hold on to the rope, to hold on to you. Because the rope is attached to the boat, and the boat is Jesus who can pull us through. The boat is immovable. Jesus is immovable. He can't be shaken. He can't be stopped. He's big enough to create the entire earth, the heavens and the earth. All the stuff that we see, he created it in a moment so the divorce you're battling the issue with your kids you're battling the pain of that lost one the thing in your life that seems immovable is movable through Jesus if we let him wherever you're at today I challenge you to grab the rope and you know what it looks like for you all in different spots but the message is the same whatever it is in your life that you need moved Jesus is the answer and as someone who can speak from experience I've tried a lot of other ways they don't work somebody when I was sitting in the water slapping the water in frustration I've done that in life too try to self medicate try to figure it out on my own I'm not saying it's going to be unicorns and rainbows but I promise you if you grab the rope you will Make it to the other side. You will find joy. You will find purpose. You will find strength. You will find a way out of the season of life that is challenging if you hold on to the rope, if you trust the process, if you trust the God who's going to bring you through. If you will do all those things, I promise you there will be a day when you stand on the top of the mountain with your arms held high saying, God, you did it. God, you brought me through. God, you are there. If you trust the process, hold on to the rope and keep going through. Through Jesus. So this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. I could ask everyone in this room to close your eyes and bow your heads. I always tell my youth students, this is an opportunity just between you and God. We're, We're around people, but in reality, it's just between us. That's why everyone's eyes are closed. And so right now, If you are in this place and you're challenged that God has been circling you with the rope, he's been saying, well, you grab the rope, but you trust me. If you're in that place today, just an act of faith, I'm not even looking around. If If that's you in this place and you know you need to walk out of this place and do something or commit to something, I want you just to raise your hand just between you and God, saying, yes, God, that's me. Yes, God, I want to do that. Yes, God, I know that's what you're calling me to do. Put them back down. Others in this room, maybe you're like Jonah. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you don't want anything to do with God. Maybe you don't even know that you're running from God. Maybe you don't even know who God is. But as I've been speaking today, you see, you know what? I want that strength of the Lord. I want that relationship with Jesus you're talking about. And if that's you, just between you and Him, I just say, yes, God, that's me. Yes, God, that's me. Because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he will come into your life just like that. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been or, or what your life has brought you to. Wherever you are, from Mother Teresa on down, you're loved and you're forgiven if you will say yes to him whether it's someone in the in the room right now who needs just keep on going whether it's somebody in the room who is saying yes to you or making things right with you God wherever we are at in this room Jesus we are saying yes to you we are saying God would you please bring us through this season God would you arm us with the strength to keep going God would you arm us with the peace that transcends understanding God would you show up and show off in our life because God we can't do it any other way we need you Jesus whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the 250 millionth time, we need you. So God, today, for everybody you can hear my voice online on a podcast, in person, May you become real to us. May you show up to us personally. As when we walk out those doors, we know God doesn't stay in this room, but he goes with us right back into our situation. And that understanding that God is with us will transform how we live. God, we love you and we cannot thank you enough for what you do in our life. Who you are to us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. there's going to be a number on the screen if you said yes to Jesus today if you said you know what that's me would you mind just saying yes to the number on here just texting it to us we would love to celebrate with you otherwise I will see you all next Sunday for Pastor Chris's return make sure to give him a big hug a big fist bump whatever you got to do he'll be excited to see you have a successful and great week this has been a podcast of the Bridge Church have a great week Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.